Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for pouring out. So I want to um, start today by saying, because we're all excited for what God did, and it was amazing, but part of the message that I have for today is that there's more. There's more. This, was, this is just some of the beginning of what God wants to do in us and through us. And he's calling us to a higher place. And for the last three years, he's been saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. And it was probably two or three years ago that God uh, showed me, um, kind of gave me a little prophetic uh, insight when I was getting, uh, we were getting a huge group of baby chicks. And my mentor kept saying to me, are you ready? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then another couple days would go by, and he would say, are you ready? It was like 100, 150 little baby, one-day-old chicks. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then the third time, he asked me three days later, and he said, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then I finally looked at him and said, why do you keep asking me this? Because he looked at me, he said, because you're not ready. And so I was like, well, what do I need to get ready, you know? And he began to sh- share with me what that looks like to be ready to, to house 150 chicks without killing them. And God really began to speak to me that that was us as the church. You know, he keeps saying, get ready. And we're like, we're ready, Lord. We're ready. Oh, yeah, we're ready. And then a couple months go by, and he says, are you ready? I need you to get ready. We're ready, God. We're ready. And... And the same way he's saying, no, you're not ready. You're not ready. This is only the beginning, and we're not ready for what God wants to do. There is a heart posture. There is a more in heaven that he wants to bring us into and ready us for. And the timing is getting closer. Every time he asks, it's closer. The day is closer that the harvest is coming. We're already seeing the outpouring. We're already seeing the increase begin. And this is just the beginning. There is more. There is more. There is more coming. And we need to hear this because we need to be readied. And the first thing that I want in terms of being ready is is God wants us to come into deeper friendship with him. He wants us to come in to be a friend of God. It said that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness and he was God's friend. And so there's this place of belief in Abraham's life that we struggle with. I'm at encounters every, every twice a year, and probably one of the biggest problems that we have is trusting God that people come up for. There is this belief from heaven that when we have been translated from darkness into light, the salvation stories that we heard today, the sureness of that, of believing God, that it, and it's accounted to us as righteousness, believing that Jesus' blood was enough to wash away all of our iniquity, that it made a pathway into friendship with God himself. He's calling us into this deep place of communion with him. Moses, same thing. Moses was called a friend of God. It said he met with God face to face, and he daily communed with him. And so, That is another key for us, is to daily commune with the Father, because there's more. 
There's more. We can't live with what we have. The world can't live with what we have right now. There is more from heaven that God wants to pour out of us, and it's taking communion with him. Much prayer, much power. I had a, a, a it was a superintendent of the AG. He used to say, he, he would preach in old King James, and he would get up, we called him EBB, and he'd be like, much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power. And so that is a message, though, down through the generations, because little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. And as we have increased prayer among us, the power of God is increasing among us, but there is a daily communion that he's calling us into. He's calling it into a fellowship and a friendship with him, that we would know him, because there's more. There is more from heaven. We have not tasted. We've seen. We, this is not, we can't be satisfied with this. This is awesome. But we can't look and be like, woohoo, there's more. There is more power from heaven that God wants to pour out, but he needs friends to pour it out on. He doesn't need people that are just a part of a church or have an acquaintance with him. He needs friendship with him, communing face to face. The pathway that Jesus' blood made, it's a pathway that he made for us to commune with God. We need to lay down, like Steve said last week, the idols that we've formed in the broken cisterns that we've created to make up for the lack of power that we're seeing in the church. We've created broken cisterns in our lives personally to create security, and we've done it in the church to create a, an illusion of strength and power. And though God blesses what we do, there is so much more from heaven that he wants to do. There is a fullness in Jesus that he wants to pour out, that we are a distinguished people in the earth, that we are marked by heaven, that when people walk by, they see heaven. They see something in us. There's something that exudes out of us in this place. And so he's calling us into this place of friendship with him. And the next person is David. The, the Bible says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. He's a man of obedience. David was a man of obedience. God said, he'll do anything that I ask him, he'll do. Is that the posture of our heart today? Another, another behavior that's, that David exuded in his nature and his character before God, when God called him a friend, he was humble. He was trustworthy. He regularly danced and sang before the Lord. So let me ask you, grown men, how many of you are regularly dancing and singing before the Lord in the delight and joy of the Lord and not caring what it looks like? Right? There is a new level of freedom that God wants to take us to. There is a new level of abandon that God wants to bring us into that we're found dancing before the Lord because we can't contain the thankfulness that's in our hearts because of what we've seen him do. There is a power that he wants to pour out that is greater among us. We, he, we, he wants us to see him face to face, not just be slightly acquainted. He wants to pour out power in our midst, to see salvations, to see people healed. The fullness of his glory that he has provided for his church, his blood, the fountain of life. Steve was talking about that God wanted to be a fountain, that the two things that God had against his people 
was that they had abandoned the, him the source, the fountain of life. And they had created broken containers. And God wants to be that fountain. There's an old hymn that says, there is a fountain filled with blood that runs from Emmanuel's veins. And it's able to wash away all the guilt and shame. All the guilt and shame. And so God wants to bring us as a, as a church, as a family, into this place that we walk as a washed people of all the guilt and shame of all the brokenness of the world, of all the trappings that still hold us down, the shadows of greatness that aren't quite there yet. He wants to break those off, and it's found in the friendship with God. He wants to bring us in, and he's calling us out of this place where we've, we've made peace with mediocrity. And if we look around, and this is what I'm getting ready to tell you, I want you to open your hearts to hear. So just like in the encounters when we talk about how sin has all these new names and we, we minimize the bite of sin and we call it something that's a little more palatable, right? Because it's so, it's so raw and painful to come and say this is sin, but the only way for the cross to provide forgiveness and full freedom is when we come and we say this is my name. I'm adulterer, I'm sinner, I, I, I watch pornography, whatever it is, when you come and you say, God, I have sinned before you, and this is the name that I've been called, impure. Then his blood comes down and washes us of that place, and there is freedom, complete freedom for you, complete purity, complete access to the very righteousness of God and his holiness, that we walk as sons and daughters in this place of such purity and power, that the power of God's reverberating, the holiness of God is in us. And when we walk around, people are like, oh my gosh, what's in you? I've got to repent of my sins because I feel the holiness of God around me. I can't stand. I can't stand because the holiness of God is exuding out of the people of God. And that is the place that when we come and encounter the cross, that it brings freedom for us. In the same way, we have got to come to a place in the church that we recognize that we are not walking in the power that God has called us to. We have to look around and say, God, it's not enough. We have not experienced enough, and it's not him. The problem is not with God. His, not, his hand is not short. He's not a man that he would lie. He's faithful. He is the source and the provider. All the time he provides. He even provided for unfaithful Israel. He provided for them. And he's the same God today that he was then, and he'll provide for us. His hand is not short, but we have not experienced enough of God. There is brokenness in our midst there is sickness in our midst. There is sin in our midst. There is gossip in our midst. We need the power of God. We need a greater, and we have to come and wrestle with this place, the rawness of that. I know when people come up to repent, it, it's, you watch them. They, they come up, and they're like, yeah, I kind of send, and they'll kind of vaguely tell you what happened. And you're like, no, you need, to, you need to confess it. Like, you need to name, you know, what is it? What are you confessing before the Lord? And it's so hard. It's so um, uncomfortable 
to come and confess sin. It's, it makes you uncomfortable. In the same way, though, we need to be able to wrestle with the lack in the body and be honest with, it, with the same uncomfortability, the same rawness, because it's, it's the fear of being able to trust the eternal God that holds us back from wrestling with the honesty of God. The accountability of the lack of saying, God, what is it in me? Look in me and see if there is anything, God. Is there a wrong thought? Is there a wrong theology? What is stopping the power of God in my life? What has held me back and limited? What walls have I put up that have held in your power and not been a conduit in a vessel that's able to release it? And the uncomfortability with that lack of control and having, and the Bible says that it's that hope that purifies. It's that hope in who he is and his return and what he's doing that purifies our heart. And so we can't bypass it and come into broken cisterns that we feel comfortable with, that are tangible, that we can hold on to and manipulate and live within the meagerness of the kingdom, eating crumbs instead of the bread of heaven that satisfies in the deepest places of our soul. It satisfies that longing and that place that's saying, God, I don't feel right. And he says, there is a fountain. There is a fountain that runs with the blood of Emmanuel's veins that will wash all your guilt and shame that places you in right standing with the Father. And this is the message that God is calling us into because there is more. There is more from heaven that he wants to pour out. I want to share about two people that I have met in my life that marked me for eternity. One was when we were in the Netherlands, and I don't even know, if I forget the woman's name. It was so many years ago. But she shared this story about her life. It was her life testimony. And when she got up, she starts, and I'm going to start with her first testimony, is um, she began to share when she was nine years old, she was born during the war, World War One, and her father was gone. I I don't even, it's so long ago, I don't know all the total ins and outs of the story, but there was no father in the picture. And soldiers that had come off, um, they lived in, I think it was Italy, but they had come off their boats and come into the town. And her mother was gang raped by a bunch of soldiers. And then she had to nurse her mother to help and, and health. And weeks later, when she turned her over, her mother was eaten with maggots laying in a bed. This is horrific. I know you guys are like, what? And I thought that was a horrific story. But as she began to share, that was just the beginning of horror. And I thought, my God, like, you know, usually they share one thing and then God goes on, you know, it goes on. But then after all this, this, this compounded horror and, and trauma beyond, she met the Savior. And she came into a depth of relationship with him that as she began to share, there was this, I don't even know how to describe it. And this is why she marked me because after all of this stuff, she had the power of God flowing in her veins. Her face glowed. Her eyes shined like fire because Jesus was in her. She had been washed from the pain of the trauma. And she described it like this. She said, it's like it became portals of the glory of heaven. Everything that the enemy meant for her destruction, and he meant destruction, God turned it into a portal of the glory and the power of heaven. That is the God that we're talking about. That is the God that is 
mighty and able to deliver in all of its fullness and to take everything that the enemy has distorted and, and, and created this horrible picture that seems hopeless. I don't know if there's, there's many in here we would probably consciously with our minds say, oh, God can take care of that. But I don't know for sure if you really believe it from the deep places because of what we've seen, right? The things that we've seen have spoken against the greatness of God. And we would think, well, she needs, she's going to need at least 20 years of healing from that, right? But God, in an instant, came down and healed her and made her whole. He, he changed everything in that moment. And we have to wrestle with the uncomfortability of not writing it off as, oh yeah, God does that sometimes. No, God has promised us that we would do greater things than Jesus. Jesus did a lot of awesome things in the earth. Jesus healed people fully. He called them out of darkness fully. There is this fullness in heaven that he's calling us to. And this woman, I'm telling you, when you got around her, it was like the love of God. There was a kindness and a gentleness of her spirit, and you just would feel God on her when you got next to her. And it was amazing. And this is, this is what I'm talking about, that God is calling us into greater. He wants us to believe for the greater. He wants us to know there is more. There is more. There is a harvest coming of a broken generation, and there is a more in heaven that he wants to pour out to meet that generation as they walk in these doors, as they walk into your houses. He wants you to be a more from heaven, a friend of God that can deliver the kingdom with power in your midst, that you don't come with enticing words of wisdom, but you come with the power and demonstration of the spirit of heaven. That is what he's calling us into. And the second story is this. It was a woman, it's actually three women that were a part of, uh, they were government officials in Uganda, but they had lived in the day of Idi Amin, the era of, of the, the terror of Idi Amin. And this was a, a very brutal, demonized dictator. And during that time, like, if you were out walking with your kids, they might, like, just take one of your kids and kill them right in front of you. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, just evil. Like, real evil. And these women were intercessors, and they had, were coming into town, and somebody had called us. Ralph had called us, and he had said... Um, I'm picking up these intercessors from Boston, and I'd like them to stop and do dinner with you. And um, so I thought, cool. The only problem was I was actually sick that day, but I thought, oh, intercessors from Uganda, I think I, I want to meet with them. And so I sort of pulled myself together and made this dinner for them, and they came. Yeah, and I had, I had a fever, which I don't typically, I mean, I'm pretty strong like bull, but I had a fever, and um, so it's just interesting that I even said, well, yeah, go ahead. And I just pulled myself together, and we just made a spread for them. And they came, and as they were sitting there, they just started talking. Everything was normal. But it was like the power and essence of God was all over them. And so after we had dinner, we didn't even talk about that much, but they said, we want to leave a blessing at your house. This is the first place that we stopped, and we want to bless you. And they began to pray, and I was instantly healed, like instantly and, and I was undone by, by the friendship that they had with God. That the prayers that they prayed, you knew that they were powerful. You knew that they were women that had met God. But their story was in the, in the terror of Idi Amin, they would wake up before dawn in the dark, and they would 
they would walk out into the swamps and they would cry out to God all day long in the swamps, crying out for deliverance for their nation all day long. And God delivered Uganda. And they became government officials of Uganda. But when she, we asked her about how did she get the power, she said, well, I don't know if there's many Americans that would be willing to pay the cost. And so I wonder how many of us would be willing. We're not even willing to go and do a one or two hour prayer block. We've been getting people mad that we're even asking for us to hold a vigil towards heaven to reach the power of God and to accommodate him like we promised. But these women not only got up and didn't go to a comfortable sanctuary and pray for an hour, they went to a swamp with mosquitoes and prayed all day and cried out to a God that answers that they knew that he had the power to save them and their nation. And God did. God did a mighty work in Uganda during that day. This is about 20 years ago. I don't know the update on Uganda now, but I'm telling you, when this was going on, there were signs and wonders and miracles that were happening in that nation. But this is the place that God is calling us to, a people, a friend of God that's willing to lay our lives down for an hour to stand vigil for him, for a daily commune with him, where we stand and we say, God, what is it? What is it in heaven? There is a humility that we have to come to. And this is the place where I want us to hear because God is calling us into this amazing place, but there is a humility that we've got to learn. And I need you to remember that when Jesus came on the scenes, it was those that were most learned, the ones that you would have expected to know the Savior that didn't. They missed it. They missed it. And you know, when Jesus sent out his disciples to do um, signs and wonders, he said, you're going to go cast out demons and heal the sick. And... Shortly, then while, while they were out, he went and he preached in the, their cities and rebuked them, right? In Matthew, Matthew 11, he gives this strong rebuke because they didn't receive it and said, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be better off than you. But then he prays and he says this, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you did hide these things from the wise and intelligent and did reveal them to babes. And so there is this place that he's calling us into a child-likeness, not childishness, but a child-likeness, that we're willing to lay down all of our best intents, all of our best experience, everything we think we know that has brought us to this place, okay? And it's not that God has never moved. We've seen God move and we've seen him be faithful. There's more. There is more. This is not all. This is not it. There is more from heaven. And like these women that I encountered in my life, there is a power that God wants to fill us with that comes off of us, that exudes out of us, that we can be an answer to a generation with his power saying, Jesus is enough. He is your source. He's mighty and able to save. And when we say it, we say it with conviction and full knowledge that our hearts have been, that it's been countered with the reverberations of heaven, the essence, the air of heaven. We breathed it in our homes. We breathed it and we've become a different person because of it, because we've walked in the inheritance that the blood of Christ provided. We walked in the power that the cross guarantees us. 
But we have to come into this place of humility, of emptiness, where we're willing to empty ourselves, where we're willing to become servants in the kingdom of God again, laying behind all of our past experiences, our bad experiences, our, our perceived disappointments of we thought God was going to do this and he did something else and we were marked with disappointment and the enemy let that become a foothold in your life that accuses God, that makes you believe that he's not enough to answer the cry, the very depths of our heart. He is enough. He is enough. He is the source of life. We need to take our broken cisterns and lay them at his feet. All the idols that we have set up for our own comfort, the uncomfortability we have to encounter of wrestling with the hope in God and saying, God, these are things I really do want to see change. We don't even ask God sometimes for the things that we need because we're afraid he's not going to answer. We're afraid he's not faithful if we're honest with ourselves. And I'm talking about honesty today because we cannot get from where we are to where we need to go without being honest before the king. Without saying, God, we've made cisterns. We've created ways that are more comfortable for us, that make sense in our mind. When the kingdom has come to the babes, the ones that aren't learned, the ones that will trust and believe in the Savior and just receive him as he is, as he is. And so this is my challenge to you today. Um, I'm always short. Hallelujah, right? Everybody loves short. <laughs> um, is that we come into that place, guys, that we, just like Steve preached last week, the response of the idols that we had created in our life, just like Israel, right? Storing up our own manna, feeding ourselves with our own systems and programs. And it's not that, that everything needs to be, I'm not saying that, I'm not advocating, just throw out the whole structure. What I'm advocating is an intentionality of taking our best thoughts and laying them before God and saying, wash them. Make me like a child that I can receive your word again, that I can receive a freshness, uh, the joy of heaven, that I can receive the joy of heaven, that we become childlike, that we dance before the Lord again that we sing before the Lord because we're free, guys. We're free. We're free. There's nothing holding us back. We can dance. We can sing. We can be free. We exude the very freedom of heaven. And the power of God emanates off of that and draws people into our presence, drawn into our presence because there is a powerful God in heaven that wants to deliver us in a new way. He wants his church to come. He's calling out for his church to come. There was a word today that was given, and I'm going to sum it up, but it's, it's, it was a warning that God is God has had enough. He's ready to pour out. And we had, we've been saying this for many months that we said the, the, the habitation is an invitation of the Lord to come in and to be changed. It is an invitation from God saying, will you come and join your family in accommodating me and being changed by it? And we've been changed. I'm, I'm telling you the hunger that's developing in my heart. Every time I go to talk to somebody, I burst into tears and say, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. 
I am so desperate to see the power of God in our midst. I am so done with the enemy stealing from us and robbing us and selling us a bill of lies that tells us that God is not enough to fully deliver, fully save, fully bring us into freedom. The fullness of Christ that he paid by his own body and blood, the fullness of him, the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in us. This is the promise of heaven, that the Godhead dwells within us, the Holy Spirit spirit lives in us and God wants to release a greater measure of his power out of us and that comes with relationship and friendship with God that comes with humility of saying God I'm not enough my best thought wasn't enough my best cool idea didn't suffice I need a fresh power from heaven. I need a fresh oil from heaven to come down. I need fresh manna from heaven. Prepare my heart with whatever you want to do, God. Change me in whatever you have to do to get me there, God. Here I am. Change me. Here I am. Spend my life. Here I am. I just want you. I just want your power. I just want your presence. I want to know you in the deep place. I want to know you face to face with the glory of heaven shining down that it transforms me into a conduit that is an answer for a generation that is crying out, that is the answer for a church that's crying out for a savior that lives, that lives and is alive today and he's ready to heal and deliver us. And so this is the cry of my heart and I challenge you guys today to come into that place of childlikeness, to come into the place of humility of trustworthiness before the Father, laying down all of our petty ideas and thoughts and intentionally saying, God, wash them. It's not that every structure is bad, but every structure without the power of heaven exuding through it. And that's where the issue is. It's with us. It's with the, it's with the reality of heaven dwelling in us and being able to be released. And we've got to say, God, what is it that is not allowing that kind of power to be released in my life? I'm wrestling with my own heart. And you know what? I, you, you can say, oh, Stephanie, I've had people say, you know, you're anointed or whatever. It's not enough. Enticing words like power, you know, like whatever. It's not enough until we see the fullness of Christ in our midst dwelling and seeing lives changed in a way that they're exuding the very essence of heaven and changing us. And this is the promise of the gospel. This is the promise of heaven that we would be changed that we would be changed, and we've made peace with lack. We've made peace, and God wants us to, at bare minimum, if you're a a cessationalist or something, the joy of heaven and the life of God should be in you every day, even if you don't believe in miracles. What I'm talking about is God himself being exuded out of us. So when people are around you, they see the glow of heaven on your face. So whatever way you want to take that, but that we are not seeing. And we must be honest with ourselves. I am getting honest with God. And I am challenging you guys to get honest with him because he wants to give us more. He wants to pour out in our hearts and lives. And he's ready. He's ready. And there's serious words that have been given that he's, he's, it's coming. The, the invitation is coming to an end and the presence is going to come. And he's going to mean business. It is always a lot easier to yield to heaven than to fall and break on a rock. It is always easier. That is the easier path is obedience to God. Some of us are hard knocks learners though, right? 
and we gotta, we're the hard knocks kind of people. But I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's the easy path, and God is he's asking you today, will you come and humble yourself? Will you come and pour yourself out? Will you come and bring your idols and your broken cisterns and lay them at the altar and say, God, we need a fresh oil. We need a fresh oil. Let's be honest. We need Jesus in a new way, in a fresh way. All of us. Right. Sean's saying that we, this is fine to hear. It's truth. I'm telling you, it's truth. And I'm undone by it. I'm undone by it because I am telling you, God's bringing us to a place and he's saying, he's making us hungry. We've been praying that. I I can't tell you how many of us sit in the prayer room for hours saying, God, create hunger. Make us hungry. God, give us an appetite for the things of heaven. Change us. And he's doing it in our midst. But it takes an action. We've got to do more than hear. We've got to respond. We've got to begin to change our lives. We need to be able to go after that relationship with God, getting up daily, getting up daily and saying, Jesus, who are you? Moms, during the revival, moms would put their Bibles out on their counters in their kitchen. And when they'd go by, they'd read the word because they were so hungry. They were so hungry for the word. And in the business of their day, they would just catch a glimpse of Scripture, and they'd go on making dinner and meditating on it. They'd begin to pray. They'd begin to dance in their kitchens. And God's wanting us to come to this place of action. He's wanting us to respond to his call. And it is a call from heaven. And he is saying, you aren't ready, but I'm making you ready. And if you, this is an invitation to be ready. This is it. This is it. He's saying, if you'll come and humble yourself, if you will come and become a friend of God, not just a delivered acquaintance, but one that knows him and is trustworthy for him to pour out his power on, we'll see his power. But it's up to you. Will you respond to heaven today? I was just going to say the practical aspect of this is a lot of people are like, if God wants to move, he'll move on my heart. I'll be stirred to do it. And I want you to know that's incredibly juvenile. How would you like if your son or daughter, if you're a parent, when they were 30 years old, your son or daughter would come to you and say, excuse me, is it possible for me to go to the store? Is it possible for me to go apply for a job? We'd be horrified. We'd be like, I've done a, I'm a failure as a parent. Like, this is awful. My son or daughter's grown up to be dependent on me in a really weird way. And God, in the same way, does not want you to be a child that just constantly waits for him to initiate. He wants sons and daughters through whom he could plead through, through he could say, hey, I'm in this together. We're in a partnership, a relationship. Will you take some initiative here? Will you be a big boy and girl, a man, a woman of God, and begin to plead to me to move and do things? Like, we have this contorted view of what it is. Like, if God wants me to do this, he'll move me. It's a lie. If he wants you to do something, he'll certainly tell you, and you can obey him. But then there is just 
practical initiative you take to develop your heart, your spirit. You intake the word of God into you. You pray. You ask him to do things. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You seek. You knock. And you keep seeking and knocking until God answers your prayer. He wants that. He wants that seeking. It makes him feel like, oh, they want me. So that's what he's talking about is action. Is like there is a place where you need to step out. And you know what? If you mess up, oh well. I know if my kids are taking initiative and they're trying to like just do something very good and they mess up, I'm like, whoa, good try, bud. Five, five. What did you learn from that one? But at least you're not sitting on your laurels and just waiting if the Lord wills it. And then you're waiting 10 years from now, the sick, stinking, thinking person that hasn't changed a bit because you don't have a hunger and thirst for righteousness and that's what the bible says hunger and thirst for righteousness and this is what we need an upgrade on to like be charged to press in to god we are in a season of testing invitation where he is giving us the chance to show our our pursuit to show our hunger Instead of the day coming when he does everything and you just jump in. And he's like, well, not quite a son and daughter yet because they're my child, yes. But sons and daughters demonstrate maturity. An ability to initiate. Take initiation. Take action. Start moving toward things. A son and daughter is not ready to start a business if they can't take initiative and do some things and make some decisions that are based on truth on their own. Anyway, that's it. I just wanted to encourage people. There's a practical piece here that is like, it's not just about getting moved by the Spirit and feeling something and feeling this thing in your heart because there was power. But like taking a step and determining, I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to seek after Him. I'm going to thirst after Him. Lord, I just pray right now all across this room that you would touch our hearts. Lord, you're so good. (laughs) Oh, Lord, and you are. You're changing us. You're transforming our affections. You're transforming our appetites. You're transforming our ambitions. Make us a vessel, Lord, worthy of your power and might. Pray for every heart in here that you would cause them to hunger in a whole new way, that you'd cause them to thirst after the word of God that there'd be a fresh engagement in their hearts to pursue you. Lord, we will not stop. We say, Lord, we will accommodate you in our hearts, in our lives, in our schedule, in all aspects, Lord. In all the ways Steve's been preaching, we engage you, we accommodate you in our giving, we accommodate you in our time, in our volunteerism, in our prayer. Make me a vessel. Make me a sacrifice, Lord. Do a fresh work in our hearts today, Father. I just pray that. I pray that you bring us from a place of thrill seekers to people who are transformed because they're in pursuit of the living God. Change us. Bring us from juvenile to 
sons and daughters who take initiative and cry out and decree and establish and govern. Pour out strength, Lord. Pour out hope in hearts, Lord. All across this room. Heal. Break off attacks of the enemy. Break off disillusionment. Break off offense. Break off fear. Thank you. This a uh, scripture that I think speaks so clearly to this, what they're talking about. And if there's ever a message for a response, right? An invitation, an altar call where you come and acknowledge before the Lord the things that you feel like He's just shining a light in His kindness that leads to repentance, that persuades us to give wholehearted devotion and life to Him. That's what He's doing. His Spirit is moving in the room right now and He's provoking and prompting us in areas of one foot in and one foot out. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like this Word, that's what it does. And I believe it requires a response from us. Not just a public response, but an intentional response from our hearts and I just wanted to read the scripture that came to mind in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purpose, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Come on. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes. Some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves, let us lay aside every hindrance, every encumbrance, every sin that entangles us those who cleanse themselves because we know we are approaching a throne of mercy that he is a God who walks in perfect holiness and righteousness but calls us in our brokenness and makes us whole that's the call in the room here for all of us to say yes to all of him the common places in us that are just wasted on trivial trivial things of this life that's where I'm just getting how much of my life is given to things that are just going to burn up and that have no eternal value. But it's an invitation. Like Steph said, it, it's an invitation. It's an invitation. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes. If your cry is, here am I, send me. Draw near to the Lord. Allow the light of His countenance, the holiness of who He is, permeate even the areas that reveal the places that are at war against Him. That might sound tough, but there is something He wants to do in stewardship in His church. He wants to pour out a strength and a power that is not accredited to our ingenuity, that's not accredited to our good ideas or or formulas, or structures, or programs. He wants to move in a way that gives Him all the glory. And there are going to be hearts that avail their lives to Him, that say yes to Him, and then even give up the temporary, legitimate pleasures of this life for something more. 
but the persuasion of his kindness the persuasion of his mercy and his patience is in the room and it's beckoning us right <coughs> it's calling us to appropriate truth because the reality is you are fully holy you are fully righteous and we just need to bring our lives sometimes back into full alignment and agreement to what he has given us. And that's that right standing and these things that usurp and rob and entangle and hinder us from running this race with endurance are the things we bring to him in our brokenness and acknowledge before him. I don't know how to do this all, but here's my life and here's my yes before you. And I lay these things as an offering before you. So I just encourage you, if there's a place of duality in your life, if there is a, a one foot in or one foot out in areas in your life, choose this day. These days are recorded in the timelines of your life that you had opportunity to respond to the Lord where he was inviting you by his kindness because of his great love for you and his mercy saying, come all that you are. Son, daughter, come with everything that you are. And I have special purpose for you. So we're going to spend some time in the presence. If you want to come to the front, come to the front. And I just encourage you to really, like I said, dig into the deep place of honesty because... The enemy would like us to be like, well, I believe, you know, I believe God's powerful. I mean, I, I, I believed God. I've seen God do a lot of things in my own life. That's me. I, I've seen God be faithful to me. He's been faithful. But I am challenged because there's more. And that's the place that I'm asking you to, to go into and say, God, I don't want to be satisfied. I don't want to be satisfied with just the meager crumbs of heaven. I want more, God. Show me, God. What does that take? What is that, God? What, what is that? How does the promise of heaven break free from this vessel? And that is, that's, that's the place before God that you want to be.